Did you know that there are over 2.5 million veteran-owned businesses? Many of them have fewer than 50 employees. Recently, Mentors for Military created a veteran-owned business directory at veteranownedus.com because we want to help bring greater exposure to these veteran businesses and provide programs in the future to help them succeed. Although we're just getting started, veteranownedus.com is showcasing four veteran-owned businesses that recently subscribed at the platinum level, and they are Legacy 7 Consultants, Zulu Ops Tactical, Ideal Printing Promos and Wearables, and Uncana. There are several other businesses listed ready for you to support. If you don't see what you're looking for at VeteranOwnUS.com, come back soon because we're adding new veteran-owned businesses often. Know a veteran-owned business that's not listed? Tell them to join up by visiting VeteranOwnUS.com today. We'll continue to use this platform to promote VeteranOwnUS.com, the veteran businesses listed within, and the veteran community. Please shop at VeteranOwnUS.com and support a veteran-owned business. This podcast is sponsored by Uncanna, Trusted Natural Solutions. Uncanna is a leading voice of advocacy for CBD in the veteran LEO and federal communities. Veteran-owned and operated, the Uncanna team is actively fighting for DOD access to CBD with political pressure, community support, and a simple message. Hashtag OpNatural. Uncanna is vertically integrated with industry leaders from seed to sell, supplying premium small batch products to America's best. Use code MENTORS, the number four, M-I-L, at checkout at uncanna.com to receive your amazing discount. Read the Mentors for Military disclaimer at mentorsformilitary.com slash disclaimer. Thanks again to everyone supporting us on the podcast through Patreon. Patreon allows our listeners an opportunity to contribute to the podcast and allow us to bring you great guests and content each week. Thank you to all of our patrons and a special shout out to Jonathan Lambert for being our largest donor. You too can become a patron by visiting patreon.com slash mentors, the number four M-I-L. This is the Mentors for Military podcast. So we're going to dive into this, and I think this is going to be another really great episode for the people that are going to be listening, and uh, especially those people who are really interested about the pipeline um, that comes into being a ranger and the most important element of it, which is RASP. And so everybody hears about that, and they, they think, okay, what is this all about? What is what really goes on in this uh, this training? How can I get prepared for it? So I think that's one of the things, Paul, we're really going to dive into in the episode. Yeah, that's one of the questions I get the most is how do I get to be a ranger in the 75th Ranger Regiment? And I say, we got to go to RASP. But I've been out for a long time, and I don't really know what that means. So, Well, let's start off first with doing a little bit of introduction so that people will get to know who you guys are. And, you know, what we'll do is maybe uh, get you guys not only to talk about your name, but how it was that you came into regiment, uh, maybe even what your MOS is, and people get kind of a feel for who you guys are. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm Staff Sergeant Noakes, uh, pre-RASP cadre at the moment. Before that, I was a RASP 1 instructor. Uh, prior to my time at RSTC, I was a 375 for for my entire career. Again, like, like Seth Sartagami was, I was raised in a platoon my entire career, one platoon. Um, 
And then, yeah, I went over to RSTC after about six years, and I've done two years over at RSTC at this point. How many years have you been totally in the Army now? Eight years. Eight years. Okay, cool. And I'm uh, Staff Sergeant Davudian. I'm also pre-rasp cadre, and just like Sergeant Noakes, um, we both came to RSTC, so the training company um, at Ranger Regiment uh, about a year and a half ago. Before that, I was in 3rd Ranger Battalion uh, here stationed uh, on Fort Benning. Um, been about eight and a half years. So and here, here we are today. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is going to be really good because maybe what we'll start off with is um, if people are interested in going into ra- or into regiment and stuff, everybody knows that you're going to have to go through a RASP. Everybody knows that you're going to have to do that. So what is it that people need to prepare for? How do they need to get ready? What are the, the things that they could do to make themselves more successful in completing that? Or is it a trade secret and we can't let that information out because uh, then, of course, they'll be all ready. And that's the whole idea is to to kind of be a selection. So that, there's no real secret to the standards of, of regiment. I think the, the standards are out there and well-publicized. Basically, I mean, it's, it's your push-ups, your sit-ups – running, rucking, uh, and that's that's really the, the bread and butter for the standards. For so what's the what's a ruck? If I wanted to go out and prepare, yeah. what should I be, like, setting my limit for? Is there kind of unlimited, start off small, what, what would I? Yeah, so the, the standard for a regimen is a 12-mile ruck march and a 15-minute mile pace, so three hours total to, uh, you know, to be in Ranger Regiment. That's the standard you have to uphold, and that's what we have to uh, test on every year. Uh, for coming to RASP-1, we have a pretty good pipeline set up in pre-rasp where, you know, every week you're doing a ruck and it works its way up. So you're not you're not jumping into pre-rasp and rasp one doing a 12-mile ruck the first week that you show up. You you start out with like our first week on our training program. You do a four-mile ruck, you drop a ruck, you do a two-mile run, and then it works its way up slowly each week, and and your body gets used to it and accustomed to the weight and long distances. So. Okay, so if I'm hearing you correctly, you're going to actually have a pre-rasp now where you're going to train up and sort of physically prepare for the task at hand. So if you're in good physical shape, you're going to get some of that conditioning that you are, that you need. Absolutely. So, so what we do at pre-rasp is we in-process you. So we onboard you, we make sure that you get briefed on, um, hygiene, your, uh, medical awareness, um, along with, our nutritionist comes down, and our human performance coach we have at every Ranger Battalion um, Holy comes smoke. down. So this is not like basic yeah, training? absolutely. I mean, wow. So, okay. So we'll have someone come down, brief you guys. Um, we've got a five-week model for our PT program designed by our, by our human performance coaches. Um, and, and like Sergeant Oak said, it's, it's, a, it's a complete buildup. Um, we, will, we will do our best with your help to prep you to be successful at RASP. We will do all the push-ups you need to do, all the sit-ups. Uh, we will run every single cadre member, I think, is, has an, an incredible amount of endurance. And we'll, we'll get you where you need to be to be successful. Obviously, like, the candidate has to apply themselves. Yeah. Yeah, but, but is there a lot of stuff that I should do? In other words, if, if I were listening to this and I'd go, okay, I want to be – I want to make – damn sure I'm going to pass pre-RASP, I'm going to pass RASP, I'm going to, you know, get my tambourine. So I'm going to go out there and, and i probably kill myself, honestly, trying to do something that I probably shouldn't be doing and wearing down my body and maybe even cause an injury I'm not even aware of that festers later on because I don't know how to train properly. So it sounds like in 
at nothing else, just get in a basic shape. And you guys are going to then, through pre, pre-RASP, help those individuals, if they're willing to apply themselves, get into shape and prepare to pass RASP if they, if they do the right things. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, That's great. Yeah, our, our strength coach is actually former 375 as well. So he's, he's done the job. He's been there. And then he, you know, on, on his own time, he's a, he's a big-time runner. So he's, he's built this program with the help of with us, the cadre, and it's, it's it's a really good program. It builds them up, and then it has, like, a taper week, so they're not going to go into RASP 1 broken off. So, mm-hmm. yeah. so we don't have to worry about, like, uh, there's there's all kinds of um, guys who used to be part of regiment that's created courses and so that they can, you know, you can go to a weekend or a four-day session, and they, they basically put you through a selection type of thing so that you can see what it's going to be like. And some people just do that because they want to do that. And in your case, what you're saying is, is, hey, Listen, um, you just come in good physical shape. We'll take care of you from there. But if I wanted to go and excel, would you suggest I do something else, like to get ready even for basic training before I even arrive for pre-RASP? Or what, what would be your advice then? I, I, would, I would hope that prior to coming to us, they've at least put some sort of effort into doing good on their whatever the Army fitness test they're taking, whether it's the ACFT or the, the old APFT, whatever it is that they're doing that they're taking at the time, I would hope that they put effort in to get as high of a score as possible on that, uh, on that test. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you well, get a guy from airborne school and he's in, he's in good shape and he's doing extra PT on his own and he's following the PT program that they're administering, he's going to come to you guys and he's going to do well, generally speaking. Generally speaking, he'll do better. Our program, even the week one for, for some of these, these candidates, it's, significantly more mileage than they're used to even the first week so if, if he's already used to a baseline of mileage you know just doing a, maybe a couple runs a week at least at very minimum um it's going to help him it's going to help his body hold up over our five-week train-up program if, if that makes sense yeah gotcha. so when i walk in the door then are you guys doing first a baseline assessment of how the individual is and how the candidate then should be you know each of the candidate that uh, that are in the the pre-rasp, maybe not. So it depends on when they show up. Uh, we have a, a class of PT test that we take, you know, every month prior to it's a week prior to our actual class start date, and wherever they fall in. So if they show up when we're in week two of the uh, the training program, they'll have to wait till that class of PT test comes, and then they'll get their assessment. And based off that class of PT test, how, how they do on that, that's when they will figure out if they're going to class up or not. So, yeah. So, so with that, yes, the, the PT test is, is where you'll get assessed. But prior to the PT test, your first week, we will have um, each individual do 30 push-ups where a cadre member will watch your form, correct your form if you need to, um, or, or tell you what you're, you're doing it right. So we so you have a baseline of what the standard actually is, right? And that's important because the army's not doing push-ups anymore like they used to. Yeah, they're, the army doing the ACFT. And yeah, so when you get to RASP or pre-RASP, you're going to take a completely different type of PT test. Can you explain to us a little bit what that's about? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so with ACFT, you do the hand release push-ups, um, but with the RFT, um, you'll be doing just this regular standard push-ups all the way up um, and break, break parallel. Break the plane, uh, yeah. Break the plane at the bottom. Yeah. Um, 
and then you'll do you'll move on the sit-ups and then um, for the RFT you'll do a five mile run under 40 minutes and then you'll do six pull-ups as well pull-ups are the thing that I would think that gets a lot of people you know that's not usually something that they do a lot in their exercise regime you know they don't they don't put that kind of emphasis in there and it's amazing you know when you have individuals that you you put on the bar and you tell them to do it they either are doing it the wrong way is it palm in palm out is you know is it fold my legs and twist it is it i can kick and scream all the way up to the top which what's the standard there that you guys are looking for so it's it's different based off of pr- being in pre-rasp or rasp one so we don't expect everybody to show up and and you know be able to hit our standard right off the bat just because like you said some some people have never done yeah. pull-ups before or uh, chin-ups sorry so we ask them to meet us halfway. We ask them to meet us, do at least four chin-ups and pre-rasp on the class of PT test. If you can do at least four, then we basically say, hey, we're, we're going to get you to six. Okay. And that kind of goes for, for push-ups, sit-ups, and the run. If you can at least get to a certain point, uh, we have a lower standard in pre-rasp. Uh, as like, I don't mean like to get into range regiment lower standard, but to class you up, the standard is not the RFT standard. Right, right. So we, we say... If you can at least hit these scores in pre-RASP, you show potential that we can get you to the RFT standard while you're in RASP 1. And then you take the PT test in, in RASP 1, and that's where you you know, pass or fail. See, I think that's really illuminating for a lot of our listeners because, again, one of the questions I get is, like, okay, how many push-ups do I have to do and this and that? And they, I think the expectation is that you have to show up and you have to be ready, and that's not really how a selection process works. You need to show up and be willing and have done your due diligence. But from what I'm hearing... You guys are going to get them there as long as they're they're ready. You're going to train them. Yeah, it's it's significantly easier when when a candidate wants to be here. He's going to do PT on his own. He's going to do his push-ups, his sit-ups. You know, after after work, it's way easier on us. Uh, but we will we will put in the effort with them to to get them where they need to be. Because okay. at the end of the day, pre-rasp is not an assessment selection. Rasp one is the assessment selection. We're just trying to get them ready, get their bodies used to, get them comfortable with mileage and a little bit of uh the ranger culture that we that we have there that's that's actually um pretty cool when you think about individuals that are coming in they're probably scared to death they don't know what the hell they're walking into the door into and you guys are already trying to condition them again if you're there you've already made the first effort the first step right if you're actually going to apply yourself and you're willing to listen and pay attention and be coachable or teachable that's the second thing you know and if you do those two things um you're probably going to be successful at least to get into rasp one if you go into rasp you're probably going to be pretty successful because you paid attention in the first yeah. phase of this whole thing. And then, of course, you get into regiment. You've already passed RASP. Yeah, you got to apply yourself, but you've learned kind of the techniques and tools and stuff and mindset that you need to have to be successful there. And, and it's a, it sounds like you've created a tier um, to help it, individuals be successful if they're, again, willing, able, you know, and, and coachable and those types of things. Yeah, the big problem that we see is, is people will show up here Day one, they'll do maybe one PT event with us, and they decide, this is not for me. This is way too difficult. Like, I'm not ready for something like this. I'm not physically capable. Uh, so as Caterday, like, we like to be up front. We, we like to push these, these candidates um, and show them, you know, this is the goal. But that's what it is. It's the goal to be that kind of shape is, is not achievable in one day. Like, that's what you should strive to be. We try and tell them, like, we're not expecting you to run a sub 35 minute five mile day one of, of pre-rasp. You know, that's something that you should be working to mm-hmm. Same with the rook, you know, like obviously we don't want to just say, Hey, this is a 12 mile 
three hours. We want to strive to do it as fast as possible, but we don't expect them to day one show up and and do a, a sub two hour twelve mile ruck march. Mm-hmm. That's the goal, but you know, we're we're, we're re- realistic. I, I would say. So a pre rash take us in the day of the life of. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> their their first week there is mostly it's onboarding. So they'll do you know medical briefs like he was saying the the just a bunch of different briefs they'll get issued their equipment briefs from their first sergeant commander uh stuff like that really just those typical in processing stuff and then from there it's pt pt is, is the big thing and they we don't overwork them they come in the morning we do morning formation accountability do pt and then maybe like a class between morning or breakfast and lunch They'll go to lunch, come back, and then we do some kind of afternoon PT. Sometimes the afternoon PT is, is a little bit extra RFT improvement, which is Ranger uh, Fitness Test, uh, like push-up, sit-up oriented PT. And then, uh, or sometimes it's just mobility, just stretching and, and letting the body recover because sometimes, you know, that's just as important as doing the actual workout. Um, and then we, we typically cut them pretty early so they can they can be free. Yeah, so... Yeah, so you get a little free time. You get get a good amount of free time. So, so we try to cut um, every candidate around two o'clock, and from two to seven thirty, they're off on Fort Benning, out to Fort, um, out to Columbus and uh, Phoenix City, prepping. They can go out to eat. They're in civilian clothes. It's not like basic training where they're locked down. they have their phones. They have their phones. We don't. We don't mess with their phones. And then there's no recall. There's no recall formations on the weekends. Wow. So, I mean, if you so want to spend the, the spend the weekend out of a hotel or relaxing with family, then that's absolutely cool with us. Wow. Okay. So, so what about when they get to RASP? Then totally different. What changes? So RASP one, it, it's it's always changing. Um, I hate to say it's going to be this way because it might be different at the time. Depending on the class, certain classes, they'll, they'll do things that will lead them to have more restriction than others. Um, typically, from my understanding, and I'm not currently a RASP1 instructor, I, I just was there for a year, they're locked down phase one for the first four weeks, and then they are not locked down after work and on the weekends in phase two. That's my, my understanding of it. Uh, and that means they'll they'll have their cell phones phase two, after work, um, and on the weekends as well. Okay. So the first that first phase is really it's it's the really the uh, the assessment selection portion where you know they're inducing stress and and making it difficult for them, making their lives a little bit more difficult than they're probably used to. Um, so they they don't want outside contact just because they don't want any. Any, any of their family members or, or friends or something like that talking them into quitting or, or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. But. So what about if somebody just is doesn't feel like they can ruck or um, I've, I've heard there's swimming involved and they can't swim or, you know, they just feel like they're just not – they're not sure, they're not as confident in themselves. What would you say to those, those kind of people? I would say to just let the cadre decide for you. Uh, so – we are all from one of the ranger battalions, first, second, or third ranger battalion. We know what we know what we want. When we're looking for like a, just a skill level one, like new, new, uh, new ranger. Um, let us decide, and then if we decide that you you should be in ranger battalion, 
you'll get to your unit and they'll they'll make you what you need to be if, if that makes sense yeah that makes sense so it's a, a true selection process yeah. yeah yeah so maybe sergeant bishop you can actually shed some light as well on some additional things since you guys are going out and talking with these ait students or osit and stuff about some of the questions they have about what what kind of requirements should they expect yeah, so the requirements, um, as Steph Sergeant Noakes was saying, we want everyone to be able to go ahead and class up. And those class up scores to um, get into RASP, it's going to be your 53 push-ups, your 63 sit-ups. You're going to have to run two miles in 14 minutes and 30 seconds, and you're going to have to do a four pull-ups. Uh, we have those numbers set because historically anyone who's actually scored under these numbers has never passed RASP. They haven't met physical standards. So that's why these numbers are where it's at, and that's what our – uh, RAS Cadre, they're actually going to work to get those numbers to you. Um, I know we talked about the goal. Absolutely. The goal for a ruck, anything like that, is going to be two hours, 30 minutes. You want to do 100 push-ups. You want to do 100 sit-ups. We want the biggest, fastest, strongest individuals in the Ranger Regiment. But when you're actually going through RAS, um, pre-RAS, that's not the goal. The goal is to get you to be able to meet the standard. The standard would be 58 push-ups, 69 sit-ups, a five-mile run, sub-40 minutes, which is an eight-minute mile pace, and then uh, six chin-ups to, you know, to pass RASP 1 and to be in Ranger Regiment. So what, what is the weight that is, when you talk about a ruck, you know, what is the, the standard weight that you guys are looking for inside that ruck? You guys want to re- reveal that information? Or so <laughs> their rucksacks, rucksacks and RASP 1, they go off of a packing list. They go off of a summer and winter packing list, similar to, similar to like, how Ranger School does it. Yeah. The, exactly. standard, the standard for the ruck march is you know, 12 miles, Sub three hours with a 35-pound rucksack dry. Okay, so somebody that, again, is coming into pre-RASP, they, they should, if they wanted to do something, keep it very minimal, but get to the point where you're starting to, your feet are starting to get a comfortable with a walk, a long walk. Your feet are, um, then you may add a little bit of weight or something like that to a, to a bag that's on your back. You know, maybe it's even water, a water bladder or something that you're just getting used to you know, walking again with weight. And at some point, you're not wanting them before they come pre-rasp, though, to necessarily have 35 pounds dry weight in a ruck because, again, it goes back to you guys are going to help them. You don't want them to come in here. Um, It would be nice, maybe, but is it that you don't really want them to necessarily have to have that type of experience or having done that kind of work? Or what's your feelings? No, absolutely. Uh, Before I joined the military, I put a 25-pound plate in a backpack. You go. And I, <laughs> I started out walking and work my, and then I started hiking uphill. And eventually I started increasing weight. And at, at a pre-rasp, like, we start with the four-mile four ruck with a two-mile run, um, 35 pounds dry for a reason. We don't want to induce those stress injuries, and we want to build you up. Um, so and that's my biggest concern right there, right? Because not everybody's going to have a personal trainer that's going to tell them the right way to, to, uh, to do this. They're not going to have a, a mentor of somebody that's already serving in a regiment. So they may be listening to this in some outskirt location. They're wondering, okay, what should I do? So <clears throat> there are proper ways to, to do this so that you don't create and have a stress fracture or you don't tear a tendon or you don't do something, shin splints and, you know, the simple things, you know, um, wearing the right shoes, you know, like when you guys do this, what is the standard in terms of what's the, what's the gear? So we don't, we don't have a set standard for, for shoes, like running shoes. And, and we do have the set standard for boots. It's just anything AR670-1. 
Shoes, it's really it's just running shoes. Um, so, so they have the, the ability to choose what shoes they want to wear. As far as boots go, the, the problem that we see with guys is they'll show up with brand new boots straight out of basic training and OSA and AIT, and they'll have just bought this brand new cool pair of boots, and they're not broken in, and that leads to, to obviously foot issues, blisters, and whatnot. So if anything, I would say I wouldn't ask somebody to go out and put a ton of miles on, ton of weight. I would just ask that they have like maybe some good boots that are broken and that they can they can at least get through the training with us without their feet yeah. you know, tearing apart. Yeah, that's a that's actually an excellent point because you know we've all seen the pictures of what you know road marches look like yeah. if people don't have good boots mm-hmm. and they don't take care of their feet along the way. And we get and candidates from everywhere too, candidates that really haven't touched a rucksack much. So we don't again we don't expect them to be in that condition right away. Did you guys come into the same pipeline that same way? Did you go pre-rasp and rasp, or was yeah. pre-rasp not available during that? My pre-rasp was maybe three or four days. Yeah. And I came here and right away got got my CIF issue, so my rucksack and all my equipment that I needed for rasp and 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 rushed head in. So yeah, mine was mine was similar. I would did a uh, three weeks in pre-rasp. It was not a whole lot of PT at the time. It was more so, you know, picking acorns out of rocks. At the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it, no, I, I spent three weeks there. Did a little bit of PT in the mornings, and and that was that was really my my pre-rasp experience. Yeah, that, I, I said because and, there's been a lot of science, obviously, by what you had said, Sergeant Bishop, and in going into why it is that you're doing what you're doing, how you're doing it. So you know the intent is to take somebody at least as physically fit as you know much as possible, and of course, if you can go on beyond, great. As long as you don't sustain or do something that could potentially create an injury, uh, but the idea is that they come here in good enough shape, and you're going to take them to the next level if they're willing to learn. And then every new recruit gets a a packet sent to him with a workout plan, right, Sergeant Bishop? Yeah. So every recruit, once they do send the request that they would like a packet to join the regiment. We're going to go ahead, send them the packet, and then we're going to send them a PT train-up plan. That train-up plan is going to include push-ups, sit-ups, rucking, running, uh, your basics. That's going to get you to where you need to go. Uh, that's the whole point of why we have pre-RAS is to get those individuals to the level that they need to join, uh, to actually be successful in RAS. We're not trying to fail anyone at all. We want you to be successful, so we're going to work with you to build you up uh, get you to that point that you need to be at. A big thing about the pre-RAS, about the PT program, everything we've done, is any individual who's actually stayed there for the 11 weeks. So you could potentially be there for 11 weeks. That's going to be, if you're the individual who's ready to go, wants to train, wants to be in the Ranger Regiment, we're going to give you that class up PT test. If you don't make the class up, um, whether you just didn't have a high enough PT score, you weren't in the top part of that class, you're going to go ahead and you're going to go through the pre-RAS training again. You're going to get that PT program. As long as you stick with it, like you're going to be successful. Our number one reasoning for dropping individuals once we do get to RAS, it's not the physical requirements. It's not due to injury. It's just due to voluntary withdrawals. Individuals just lose the mindset and they don't want to complete the training. Uh, that's so. so important because that's something that we've covered even in previous episodes. You know, when people have asked us about it, it's like the mind is you know, it's mind over matter type of thing. But if you can get in the right mental state and you have the willingness, everything else will come because you're going to have good people like yourselves trying to take care of you. You're going to obviously you guys are your, your objective, of course, is to weed out and to select the right individuals. Don't get me wrong, but it's so important of never quit. 
the never quit attitude, you know, having the right mindset coming in. Well, one of the things I like too is now that you can, you can volunteer for this and you go out and as long as you're following the guidance that you guys are giving this candidate, he's, he's not really at risk for injury. I mean, there's always bad luck, but I remember I went through rip and injury was one of the highest uh, ways or most likely ways that you were not going to make it through. And eliminating that, I mean, you're, you're losing good candidates to injuries, and it sounds like you guys are really doing a good job to protect your your RASP candidates from that. So that, I think it's a great improvement. As, as far as, like, injuries go, we have a pretty good pretty good program in place for people who do get injured when they show up. They'll, uh, like like everywhere you go to sick call, but it's, it's our medics that treat them. Um, so they'll go and see our medics. And they can, they'll be put on a program, a crawl, walk, run, or just a profile of, you know, no rucking, no running, no, basically no PT with us, with the, with the cadre. And so they, they have plenty of time to, to get themselves healthy again before they're thrown back into, you know, RASP one. They're not, they're not going to get thrown into RASP one injured is, is what I'm trying to say. So One okay. of our uh, physical therapists actually takes uh, the injured people and does pool PT with them, which which is, is not easy. It's really good PT, and, it, and it, it builds them up pretty quick. Very low impact, like very easy on the body, but it, it really, like it gets your heart rate up. It gets Again, if your willingness to stay, yeah, the, you guys are going to find some way to get with a physical therapist and, and to help that injury and to mm-hmm. get them back into the game and allow them to continue. What, what differentiates pre-RASP from RASP? What is it still just the mindset, the physical, uh, it takes it up another level, but what what is the difference, you know? So pre-RASP is more of the receiving, kind of integrating you into our culture, showing you what it's about, and getting you ready for, for RASP-1, like just, just preparing you. Yeah. RASP-1 is, is, is the assessment selection, and then also, you know, it, it trains you to be good at your skill level one task, you know, marksmanship, your breaching, you know, PT in general. Um, but phase, you know, phase one is, is mostly inducing stress to make sure that you can mentally handle being in range regiment and, and doing the things that we do, like the training cycles, which are, you know, very difficult sometimes, and, and deployments, which can be just as difficult, you know, on certain occasions. But uh, we just want to make sure that they're mentally in the right place to be in range regiment. That, that's, mm-hmm. that's really it. So it sounds, it sounds like there's a lot of selection going on in phase one and you probably can't talk about that obviously you got to show up and if you want to find that out what about phase two I, I guess you receive a lot more training in phase two or what kind of things can they expect to see there phase two is where you'll do your marksmanship and your uh demolitions training but you are getting assessed and all the way through the it's, whole time yeah, it's gotcha. not over yet. all eight okay. weeks you're being assessed yeah a majority of the candidates we do drop that's going to be dropped in phase one and that's due to voluntary withdrawal so the individuals going through phase one, that's, that's the hard part of RASP. That's when you actually get assessed very thoroughly. And then once you've completed phase one, you're going to finish with the cold range, actually go out there and do an FTX. You kind of hit that. That's kind of your point of success. Like we like to think of as that's your mountaintop. That's where you made it over the mountaintop. Now the next four weeks, that's when we have fun. That's when we go into the marksmanship training. We go into demolition training, um, going to mobility training, a few things like that. And during that time, we still lose individuals. You're still getting assessed throughout the whole course. But that time, it kind of tapers off a little bit, and 
it's going to be more fun where the candidates actually learn, and they're going to start putting into use what they're going to be doing in the Ranger Regiment. It, it doesn't sound much difference to me, different to me um, in that sense than, than say, uh, a one-station unit training combat arms soldier who goes in, goes basic training, and then there's an AIT portion. portion. And the, there's either two phases or three phases that occur within that life cycle of that event. And so each time you're still part of trying to get an MOS, trying to remain within the Army, maintaining the standards, learning what it's like to be a soldier. Um, but you guys have done a, a tremendous amount of work in the pre-RASP uh, and, and sort of like having a pre-basic training, you know what I mean, in that now you're going to take it to another level because you're not going to be necessarily ranger fit from coming out of OSIT. So we're going to help you get more into the RASP. But if you keep the right mindset, you're going, it's once again, it's, there's a basic training, there's a basic RASP, which is phase one, and then there's more of an advanced RASP, which is phase two, if I hear that correctly. Yeah, exactly. So you're going to have the eight weeks of your RASP with the train up. You could be in RASP for anywhere from nine weeks to 16 weeks. just kind of depends what you make it and if you have the mindset to keep going. Uh, the real big thing about going there, have a real good buddy is an Army recruiter. He helps us a lot, gets a lot of Option 40 contracts for us, and one of his candidates is actually going through RAS right now. Uh, he was in the pre-RAS phase, and when he was in pre-RAS, he called back to him. He kind of let him know. He's like, hey, these guys, like, the guys you work with, they're, they're awesome. They're some of the greatest guys. Like, I want to be those individuals. And he told him in the four weeks he was in pre-RAS, he's learned more in pre-RAS than he did throughout OSA. Like, it's tremendous what the individuals, what our cadre is doing over there. They're teaching you. And whether you do pass or you don't pass, like, you're going to leave with a wealth of knowledge, and you're going to be able to give that to the rest of the Army. And you're going to kind of have that role model of who you're looking at and who you want to be, who you want to strive to um, grow up and be that role model. Well, I mean, let's face it, you know, um, it, it sounds kind of corny, but wisdom comes from making failures mistakes and from, you know, living life and actually doing things. So, like you said, even if you, you walk away or whatever the case may be, you're going and you've gained so much from it because you've gone through and experienced something that how much of the military, of people join the, the conventional forces or just the Army in general, go to RASP. I mean, that percentage is so small, or even to pre-RASP for that, can't you know, and then make it to RASP and then make it into regiment. So, And there's a region, reason, obviously, as to why they do that. Um, but you're taking away a lot of experience and a lot of lessons learned and leadership and everything else because you're working with great NCOs. Yeah, exactly. And these, these individual, individuals see it. The ones who actually don't make it, we actually get a lot of them who reapply, who just, they went through OSA, came here, they weren't really in the right mindset, and they voluntarily withdrew, went out to the conventional forces. Uh, we get a lot of those individuals who will email us, talk to us, be like, hey, I went there once, I tried it. Um, just wasn't for me, but I realized that's where I want to go, and that's where I want to strive to be. So those individuals, actually, we do get a lot who come back to us who want to retry, and we give them the opportunity. If there was no um, major reasoning why they left, like, they will be able to reapply just like any in-service individual, and then they'll come back and give it another shot. Okay. Is there a reason that you guys can mention that an individual would not be classed in that? So, in other words, they go through <clears throat> pre-RASP or they're in RASP and they just will not be allowed back. You know, is there categories? If something happens while you're in the course and you fail, you can always reapply. The only way that you cannot come back is if you voluntary withdraw. That's why we promote you letting us unselect you opposed to you unselecting yourself. 
Have you ever had individuals that came to you based on that then that are going through it and just go, hey, listen, I'm not quite sure this is up for me. And do you guys, you know, then go into coaching or you just go, okay, man, sounds like you've already checked out. Um, or is that something you want to let us know? Maybe, maybe, maybe that's a case by case basis. Yes. Here comes so, the awkward <laughs> moment. It's, it's hard. It's hard. <laughs> How about, let me, let me put it to you this way. Let's say I'm a candidate and I'm in RASP and I come up to you and I've just, gotten my ass kicked on land nav and i'm like man this is really hard i don't know if i can do this anymore i'm thinking about quitting what how would you handle that situation <laughs> so I, I mean that's that's case by case so so if it's week two so if right. it's week two of land nav and we're just training and you come up to me with that i'm probably gonna tell you to kick rocks go right. away or, I'll, or i'm gonna tell you that hey Let's go out and we'll do line up together. What right. what do you need help with? Yeah. You know that that second week of RASP, it, where a lot of people it kind of tests your individual, um, your grit. It tests it tests your grit. Um, That's where you're it, gonna find out whether they can handle it. Gonna, and, yeah, yeah, you're gonna find that out. So generally, if someone has it in their mindset they're gonna quit they're going to quit. We can't really change that. So we're an all-volunteer force. If that's what an individual comes to us wanting to do, we're not going to force them to stay. If they want to leave, like, okay, you're, like, you're free to go. We're not going to force anyone to come in here. We're not going to force anyone to do a PT test, to do the rucks. If they want to, don't want to do it anymore, then they just won't do it anymore. Same thing once they volunteer. Uh, the individuals volunteer in AIT, anything like that. If they decide they don't want to come anymore, we'll go ahead and unvolunteer them, and they won't come anymore. So yeah. No, it makes perfect sense. I mean, it and it probably should be that way because, again, that's the the individuals that are going to have to have the right mindset when they get inside regiment, right? Because it goes back to those formations where, you know, you you have the beret in one hand, you know, and and you have an empty hand in the other. And is it something that you want to stick with? You know, you can quit at any time. You know, you can you decide this is not what I want to do, or you could do something stupid, which will help you get there that much faster. And I think that's important. And yeah. it's very important. Um, in the Ranger Creed, it says we're mentally tough, so that's what we're kind of looking for. We could train someone to be stronger. We could train someone to be better at land nav, anything like that. But when it comes to mental toughness, that's a very hard thing to actually get into someone's mindset. And you either have it or you don't. So that's kind of why we go at that reason. If you're in the mindset you want to quit, we'll go ahead. We'll let you go. Like, there's no hard feelings, anything like that. We're going to get you on assignment. And typically, you'll be out within 10 days and go into your next unit. Okay. Okay. So, But it's not just quitting, right? And it's not just, you know, obviously, you have to induce stress at the outset of, of RASP. But I'm guessing you're, you have gated events throughout the entire course all the way to the last day that you must pass or you're, you fail. Is that correct? Yeah. So really, our, our big-time critical events are the RFT, uh, our land navigation. You have to pass land navigation. You have to get four to five points. To, uh, to pass land navigation, and then the 12-mile uh, ruck march, you have to do sub three hours. Th- those are our bottom line, like you have to pass these events. Uh, as far as once you pass those events where we see issues, again, with the people deselecting themselves, uh, we see disciplinary issues. These candidates, sometimes they come from that lockdown environment where they come from OSUD or they come from AIT somewhere and they don't have freedom. They get here, they start to kind of take advantage of their freedom mm. and they just they just do something didn't think about that gets, that. Them, that gets them in trouble or gets them kicked out yeah um so really it's those standards as well as just you know just common sense just just be mature like 
put in the work, get through the course, and then you know you can have fun and celebrate later. Okay, I'm gonna I'm now gonna put you on the spot a little bit. What's the best advice that you would give um, somebody who's listening to this that says, "Hey, listen, I want to go, you know, Ranger Regiment, something I want to belong to, one of the battalions, you know, or regiment itself, and one of the the different capacities." What's the what's the advice you're going to give that individual um, who's thinking about and understands the RASP is a gate that's along the way that I got to pass? Be comfortable with being uncomfortable. That probably sums it up right there, yeah. right? <laughs> and don't quit. Yeah, yeah and don't yeah. quit. Yeah, I think we've been saying it the whole time. It's don't quit. That's the whole thing. Don't quit. Yeah, it's going to suck for eight weeks, 12 weeks, however long you're here. But once you actually get into the Ranger Regiment, it's going to be phenomenally better. You're going to get a lot more gear, a lot cooler equipment. We have the money to actually give you what you need, and you're going to be one of the cool guys. You're going to be one of the guys you wanted to be, one of the guys you've seen playing Call of Duty or something like that. You're going to grow into that, and then you're actually going to overachieve that, and you're going to be what makes those next video games, whatever it is you want to call it. But that's what people are going to start playing those, and then they're going to want to strive to be you. So the biggest thing is just don't quit. Like, have the mental toughness to stick it out, suck it up for eight weeks, and you're going to be in one of your um, Ranger battalions. Until you get to one of your Ranger battalions and you get to start all over again. (laughs) 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 We won't go into that. (laughs) Well, I appreciate each each of you guys coming in and talking with us about this because um, I know you guys, as well as us, get a lot of these questions. And I think it's just a curiosity that's out there in general within the public about what it takes to become a Ranger. There's all kinds of different opinions and you know, we get into the discussion about what is a real ranger, and when you talk about, well, if it belongs, uh, if it's a ranger and we're talking regiment, there is a process, and that's what we've kind of just covered as to what's the process to just get there, and then it's a fact of earning your beret on a daily basis. So I uh, appreciate it, you guys, and uh, wish you nothing but the best in your careers. Thank you. Thank you.